0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Joint Air Christian Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Fritz. Uh, I just want to welcome everybody back today. Uh, today, I got something I want to share with you guys, um really familiar scripture. We're going to be in Revelation uh, 19, and uh, we're going to be looking at the account uh, where we get the famous scripture where Jesus is referred to as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, I've always loved this scripture and it really, it goes along so well, especially in worship music. You know, we we also look at the scripture that talks about every knee uh, bowing and every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I guess, you know, somewhere along the lines, I really just got it in my head where we were looking at Jesus as King of Kings, as in... Being the most powerful king of all kings, like saying like uh, he's a man's man, he's a king's king. He's the he's the king above all kings, and that's a true statement. It really is. Um, but I just I just want to share with you uh, uh, what what I was getting on this, um, and I just I thought it was a really really beautiful. Uh, thing that the Lord was showing me. So we're going to start. I'm going to read um, this account, Revelation 19, uh, verse 11 through 16. This is out of the New King James Version. It says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So awesome. I mean, we read this scripture and this this is Jesus riding out the harlot's already been defeated and now he's going out to render judgment against the nations. Can I, can I just tell you though something it, when I read this, all of a sudden I was like, you know what, though, this doesn't make sense. Like, why does Jesus here need to announce himself as like the biggest King among all Kings? He's, he's literally is coming to annihilate the nations. Like he's rendering judgment. Why does he need to announce it this way? And all of a sudden it kind of hit me that that's actually not what Jesus is doing at all you got to understand that you can't be king over what's not your dominion. You see, the kingdoms, the nations of the earth, are not under Jesus' dominion. In fact, they have sat in complete opposition to Jesus, and which is why he's coming. But you can only be king of what you're king over. So I started reflecting on that. And, uh, and I went up to Revelation 1, um, verses 5 and 6, which says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen you see when i read this it's clear to me that the declaration that jesus is wearing this name king of kings lord of lords as he's riding out to render judgment is for our benefit it's to justify us to the nations that we are indeed kings in the kingdom of heaven Can I tell you guys that when I think about that, when I think about Jesus riding out on his final conquest and his the name that he's carrying is King of Kings and he wants them to realize that they mistreated, they persecuted, and they killed, and they ridiculed kings in the nation or kings in the kingdom of heaven. That's a powerful thought. That's a powerful thought. And what's more, when we when we reflect on that, we also have to come to grips with the fact that we better be acting as kings and priests now. That's a call to action right there. To know that our Lord and Savior is riding out on final conquest, declaring that we were his kings. Why'd you mess with them? These were my kings. We have to understand that there should be an action involved. We should look different. We should be the object of ridicule and persecution in this world because he says we're kings. And the fact that we are kings of a kingdom above all kingdoms should put us in opposition to the rulers of this world. So what does that look like? What does it look like when the kings of this earth recognize and don't recognize God as God? Because that's really what we're talking about here. They will know, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He's the King of kings, he's the Lord of lords. Well, I think a place we need to probably look... Is in the book of Daniel and we have this um, many different dealings in the book of Daniel where Daniel is in close contact with the kings and in Daniel 2 we have um, this dream of Nebuchadnezzar uh, where he sees this image and nobody can figure out what this dream means and then he brings Daniel in and Daniel quickly um, identifies all the players Uh, what this all means, the fact that there's going to be a kingdom coming that will put an end to all kingdoms and rule forever in perfection. And Nebuchadnezzar gets it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's got faults. No doubt about it. But when we read Daniel 2, 46 through 48, we get a really good uh, synopsis of what happens when a king recognized God as God. And what's more, he gets he gets the fact that Daniel is a representation of the Most High. So let's look at that. Uh, again, we're going to be reading in the New King James Version, uh, Daniel 2, 46 through 48. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face prostrate before Daniel. Okay, just let's just stop there. He falls on his face prostrate. This is literally the most vulnerable prayer position. Okay? This prostrate position. He's down. He's completely exposed. He's vulnerable. And he's presenting himself to Daniel. And he commands that they should present an offering and incense to him. King Nebuchadnezzar who himself is regarded as a god, has just recognized that Daniel is even above him. And so he is literally seeking to worship Daniel. And the king answered Daniel, this is 47, the king answered Daniel and said, truly your God is the God of gods. And, And when we read this, okay, we have big G, little g. Truly, your God, big G, is the God, big G, of God's little G. He's literally calling Daniel a little G God in recognition that Daniel's God far above all. And he said, the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets since you could reveal this secret. And then the king promotes Daniel. He gives him many gifts and he makes him ruler Uh, over the whole province of Babylon, uh, and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon, and he literally keeps Daniel right there at the palace with him as a close um, uh, confidant, really. So, okay, so we have the example of what it looks like when a king recognizes a servant of the Most High as a king or a little g god or a lord <clears throat> under the most high god, the most high king, the most high lord. What's it look like on the flip side? I think to see that, we need to go back to Exodus. And, and I want to be clear. When we look at this in Exodus, this is quite literally what we're going to see pictured in the end times when Jesus makes this ride wearing the name King of Kings, Lord of Lords. This, this is what we have prophesied in Revelation for us. So I want to start, and we're going to look at Exodus chapter 7, verse 1. Now, this is before Moses um, goes back and talks to Pharaoh. He's still, um, still receiving direction from God. 7-1 says, So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. And Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. Okay, so right away Moses here is getting direction from, from the Lord, Yahweh, the Most High, that he will be made a God to Pharaoh. In other words, Pharaoh will recognize, Pharaoh will recognize that Moses is far superior to him and that his God is God Almighty. So we have it foretold there. Now, how does it play out? So we know how this whole story goes. Um, Moses goes back into Egypt, and we have 10 plagues, and, and we have the institution of the Passover, and there's so much foreshadowing that happens in the life of Moses, and in particular, this this snippet we have of what happens in Israel, it's really a foreshadowing of Jesus' Uh, on a lot of different levels. And uh, and over and over again, you know, the plagues come, Pharaoh wants to release the people, and then the Bible says that his heart is hardened. And over and over again, we see this. Pharaoh's like, oh, we've had enough. And then he goes, oh, wait a second. Nope, I'm going to hang on to my slaves. And it keeps saying that the Lord hardened his heart. And it's really important to recognize that the, the reason the Lord is hardening, hardening his heart is the fact that if Pharaoh just turns into the nice guy who lets Israel go, then Pharaoh can take credit for the deliverance of Israel. Then Pharaoh can still lord it over their heads that it was just an act of kindness where he lets them go. We could see he could twist this around and the story uh, could get turned around and all of a sudden, uh, the plagues that, that Moses brings. Well, I mean that was part of it, but really I was just trying to be a nice guy. So in order for that not to happen, God literally keeps hardening Pharaoh's heart. Finally, you know, Pharaoh himself loses his firstborn son, all of Israel or all of Egypt has lost their firstborn son. They have been brought to their knees and they let the people go. Now Israel, right, they're celebrating. They've collected the spoils of Egypt. They're leaving out like they are the king of kings, right? Because they've been made, right? It's It said in one that Moses would be made a god to Pharaoh. I want you to understand Pharaoh just bowed to Moses as the god. As we go to Exodus 14.4, once again, we're going to see Pharaoh's heart hardened. So uh, I'm going to read this in the amplified. It just has some extra words that I just think is uh, really, really drives us home. Uh, Exodus 14:4 4 says, "I will harden or make stubborn or defiant Pharaoh's heart, so that he will pursue them, and I will be glorified, meaning the Lord and honored through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians shall know, the people shall know." without any doubt, and acknowledge that I am the Lord, and they did so. So again, Pharaoh's heart has to be hardened. Why? To glorify and honor God. Because Pharaoh Pharaoh, letting the people go still wasn't enough. He still, right? Who is this God that I should listen? That's what he says to Moses, right? When Moses... Who is God that I should listen, right? Because once again, just like we talked about with Nebuchadnezzar, right, Pharaoh considers himself a god. But now Moses is a god is one of the little g gods of God to Pharaoh. All of a sudden Pharaoh, he's getting He's getting this nudge like, wait, what's up? I'm, I'm supposed to be top dog. And there goes Moses. He's leading the people out. He took all of our riches and he's getting away scot-free. He never even lifted up a sword. You know what? I'm going out to annihilate him. So we all know the story, right? Israel gets backed up to the Red Sea. And then we have um, instructions to Moses. Moses parts the waters, right? With his staff. Right, Moses is a little G God. He's the acting hand of God right there. Okay. The people now cross the Red Sea. And what, we're, what we see in the account is that this is like a lengthy journey across the Red Sea. So much so that, you know, they're safe on the other side. And Pharaoh's in pursuit for quite some time before the walls come crashing in on the Red Sea. One of the first things we notice... As Pharaoh's in pursuit is what? The wheels of the chariots start falling off. All of a sudden, Pharaoh's army, right? Pharaoh's army is saying, uh, I think I think Moses is uh is following the true God. I think the true God, I think the Lord Almighty, I think Yahweh, right? I think Yahweh is in control here, and I think we better just let Moses be. They want to turn back. No, no, it's too late. Right. Pharaoh, he's in hot pursuit. We're going after him who is he who is he right he will not recognize that he's been beat by the almighty lord of the universe so he keeps on pursuing and then what happens as i envision this i envision this the same way as jesus riding forth those fiery eyes the sword protruding from his mouth right and on his chest and on his thigh it says lord of lords king of kings I have to imagine that as the nations see Jesus coming in such a way, all of a sudden it will dawn on them, we done messed up. And I think that's really what happens here with Pharaoh. I think Pharaoh gets close enough. We don't know the exact proximity, but I think Pharaoh gets close enough that he sees Moses. He's now looking up to Moses in an elevated position. Moses has arms outstretched. He's keeping the waters back, right? Until he stops holding the waters back. And the waters crash in, and they drown the Egyptians. And that country is devastated. It's the same thing that we're going to see happen when Jesus makes this final ride. And what an honor. I mean, really, what an honor it will be to go forth with Jesus, right? Riding right behind our king, getting ready to execute judgment and watch Jesus just take matters into his own hand and just do it. I mean, he's going to be out there and he's going to be Lord of Lords, King of Kings for our benefit. You messed with my people and here I am to render judgment. Guys, it's just, it's such a beautiful thought to think about Jesus carrying that much about us. Like salvation is awesome, but like salvation isn't enough. He's got to justify us before these nations. That's really, it's just so awesome. Uh, Well, listen, guys, that's what was on my heart for today. We're hoping to have a guest speaker on next week's episode, so please Tune in again. Um, Also, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Um, And we're also going to be figuring out a way to get the scripture list to our subscribers. So uh, just make sure that we can get uh, an email contact for you guys. If you do subscribe, that way we can get the scripture list sent over to you. Usually we're out of New King James, but like today I was using the Amplified as we get different guests on. Um, They might be using NIV or NASB or what have you. And that way, um, if you want to check these scriptures out for yourself, you can read them in the exact text that we're using uh, during the program. Uh, So anyways, I appreciate you guys being with us here in my heart today. And until we see you next time, y'all be blessed. Thanks.